Yo, 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 yo. Hey, 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 we are back with another episode of Dialogue Heavy with yours truly, Michael Anthony McMillan. Now, guys, we are continuing on our saga to try to get out of this damn dark basement in God Bless the Girls. Our main character, Sarah Overcast, is an endurance runner, a very prideful endurance runner, who also is a heavy drinker. And um, after a another successful race, she goes out to celebrate with her uh, best friend, Mark, to a house party that has some of her old high school friends in it. And it's to be short lived, has a lot of drama going on inside of that party. And they go, Mark and her, go to hang out at a um, diner. And with her and Mark getting in an argument, they split from each other. And next thing you know, Sarah wakes up in a dark room, chained to the floor. We end up finding out that she's not by herself. There's three other girls in the basement with her. That's Boston, Terry, and Susie. What's crazier than all of this is that they find out between the four of them that they're all getting abducted from different states. So with that information, Sarah is pining to try to get all the information out of them and also subsequently trying to figure out um, all the details from the night before. And um, that's her path. And we're going to see if she can finally figure it out and get these girls out of there. But at the moment, it's not looking too good. So we'll try to figure it out together, guys. Strap on your seatbelts. Listen up. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the ride. We're going to do chapters 10, 11, and 12 of God Bless the Girl. So without further ado, I bring to you the new story. Here we go. Chapter 10. Oh, again, anything on this on this podcast ha- that has been recited and written is all been by Michael Anthony McMillan. There we go. Chapter 10. After a few more bottles of water and a trip to the ladies' room where I relieved myself in the way of puking... I felt tons better. I was actually starting to see the light at the end of the drunk tunnel. I even remember telling myself that that would be the end of my drinking for the night. But obviously that declaration would be short lived. I came back to the party and all of a sudden the basement was nearly pitch black. The only thing to be seen was a few lights placed around the DJ booth. By DJ, I mean Josh's little cousin Rocket and by booth, I mean him popping in another CD into the standard run-of-the-mill Sony disc player every other song. But hey, everybody was dancing and having a good time. That was until a fight broke out. And you guessed it, I was the one that started it. I wasn't the most graceful dancer, and I was worst off after a few drinks, so even with feeling better, I decided to skip the potential embarrassment and head back to my seat next to the snack table. Now, Mark was cutting a rug with Meredith, a nice Indian girl whom I personally knew nothing about, but from what I've heard, was apparently the greatest amateur tennis player our high school had ever seen. I laughed at Josh, the weirdo from earlier, when I saw him slam himself onto the floor and do the worm. Gosh, he was amazing. (laughs) In the midst of Josh's crazy dancing, I looked over to see Jeremy in the corner. He had his back to me, but he looked like he and Jessica were having an intense makeout session. I mean, her arms were wrapped around him tight, moving up his tall frame, and she even was squeezing his butt. 
I kind of squirmed in my seat. Even as a teen, I was never a fan of extreme public displays of affection. Don't get me wrong. I was happy for them, even if Jessica's perspiration was the only reason why she won our War of Twister, but they needed to get a room. Anyway, I was enjoying my water and the music safely from my chair when I heard thuds coming down the stairs. And how do you like that? I look up and Jessica was coming? Wait, hold up. I thought Jessica was supposed to be inappropriately making out with Jeremy in the corner. I immediately focused my eyes back over to Jeremy and saw him finishing up his tongue fighting match with Denise. I thought her and Claire left hours ago. Jesus, I thought. Mark was right. Denise was a little whore. And my next thought was, I wish I could be one too. Damn it. Why did I have to be raised right with morals and all that crap? But whatever. I was excited for the drama, so I grabbed my mini bag of Cool Ranch Doritos and waited to watch the catfight of the century to start. And what happens next? Jessica walked over to Denise and gave her a kiss on the cheek, then hugged and kissed Jeremy before leading him onto the dance floor. What the fuck was I missing? Did she not see what I just saw? Should I tell her? Jessica and I weren't close friends, but we were women, right? Or should I go tell Denise just how much of a backstabbing whore she was? <sighs> I didn't know what to do. Part of me wanted to be the lighter fluid to this fire, but the other part of me was over it. Look, I would be gone to a foreign land in a couple weeks, meeting new people, having new experiences, hopefully dating new boys. I may not even see any of these damn girls ever again. Did I really want their last impression of me to be a little snitch bitch? Nah, not really. And I decided I wasn't going to do it. I decided I was better than that. I decided I was going to take the high road. Plus, I had already pissed on Denise's head once tonight and called it rain. So forget it. I was just going to I was just going to be a good girl for tonight and let them all be. That was until old Denise had to come over and fuck up, fuck my good girl persona up. What you did earlier was rude, just so you know. I hadn't even actually been paying attention to the slut when she approached me. I was enjoying a second bag of Doritos and moving my little butt in my seat to the sweet sounds of Justin Bieber. I looked up at her and remnants of my first hangover of the night returned. Excuse me? She looked down at me with disgust and rolled her eyes. I said, what you did earlier was rude. Well, she was right about that. It was rude, I thought. She was right. She was a little slut, but she didn't know I knew that. In her eyes, I humiliated her for no good reason. I sat up. You know what? I said, you're right. I'm sorry, Denise. I stood up again. And I put my hand out to shake her hand. And the bitch had the nerve to slap my hand away. I don't want your stupid apology, lesbo, Denise said. Then she shot me one of those sarcastic smirks and walked over to Claire and high-fived her? Can you believe this, bitch? Now, 
I'm not the one to brag about my own self-defense, but the first things you learn aesthetically in jujitsu is that you can never judge a book by its cover. But I think it's safe to say that in that moment, I could have choked Denise the hell out. I had been training jujitsu for 10 years at that point, and I could have put her to sleep easily before Justin finished singing that beautiful song of his. But no, I had something a bit more sinister hidden up my proverbial sleeve. Unfortunately, like everything else in my life, it would come back to bite me in the tushy. While Denise and Claire were still celebrating their battle over me, I walked right on over to Miss Jessica to start the war. I tapped Jessica on her shoulder while she and Jeremy were in deep, warm embrace. Hey, Jess. Jessica looked over at me through glassy, dilated pupils, half wondering why I was bothering her. What's up, Sarah? I just wanted to let you know, Denise made out with Jeremy while you were in the restroom. And at that moment, it seemed as though Jeremy heard me better than Jessica did because his eyes widened and he tried to pull her away from me. Stop, honey, Jessica said as she stopped Jeremy and tried to hear me more clearly. What did you say? And right then, my instincts were already knocking on the sides of my skulls telling me to shut the hell up, but I couldn't help it. I yelled this time, and as luck would have it, at the same second, that little prick rocket was changing yet another CD in his cassette in, in his disc player. So the basement was quiet. Denise made out with Jeremy while you were in the restroom. And boom, it was like the Red Sea story in the Bible. The whole basement split into two crowds. I looked over at Denise. She was shocked at my outburst, but not terribly concerned about her action. Oh, shit, one guy says, Fuck, says another young kid that had a mouthful of braces. Jessica looked at Jeremy, and you can tell she was heartbroken. Jeremy looked at me like he wanted like he wanted nothing more than my life to be ended short of my little outburst. Jeremy also had a shitty poker face because the next thing I knew, I saw Jeremy's body sway like those advertisement floaties do in, the, in, in front of the car washes. I believe there had to have been some prior expectation of infidelity or at the very least a bit of women's intuition of some kind because Jessica never questioned me or the situation as a whole for that matter. Because after that, she just stormed out. It was so quiet. We all stopped and listened as a screen door that was in, a, in, that was in desperate need of WD-40 slowly creaked close after her. Jeremy stood there with fire in his eyes directed at me, and in all honesty, at that moment, I'd wish I could have taken the whole thing back. Because I didn't want to hurt Jeremy, and I definitely didn't want to hurt Jessica. But in my hunger to get revenge on my nemesis, that's exactly what I did. What the fuck, Sarah? Jeremy said. He looked sincerely hurt too, more emotionally than physically. Then he walked over to the same door that Jessica had just left out of, with the basement still in silence. Everyone was looking at him, at him, and that's when he turned around and laid the hammer of all hammers on me. Man, I'm glad I never dated you after we made out. You would have been a cunt for a girlfriend. Damn, some idiot said. I looked over at the unnecessary outburst and saw a group of pimple-faced freshmen in the corner egging the whole situation on. What the hell were they doing here anyway? <sighs> In all honesty, I deserved it. I knew it. 
But what made it worse was the way that Denise and Claire looked at me. They knew they had won. And to me, that was worse than getting cattle branded. And on top of that, Mark had been watching the whole debacle unfold from the bottom of the stairway. I didn't want him in that way, but he was still my friend. See, I decided years ago for the well-being of our friendship and his sanity that any encounter I had with boys would I would keep to myself. It just made things less messy between us. So to him, I was just his friend that had never been touched by any other by another man and was just playing hard to get. Dumb thinking on his part, I know. But it wasn't all my but dumb thinking, I know, but it wasn't all my fault. Tip to all the boys out there. If a girl wants to sleep with you, she will. Period. Well, after probably the worst news of his life, Mark ran out the same door Jeremy and Jessica did. But I didn't chase him like I used to. I couldn't chase him. Maybe him getting a slight dose of life without me was a good thing. I remember thinking I needed a good long run at that moment. I can exercise the demons and come back in an hour or two a fresh woman. But of course, instead of that, I headed back to the bar. Fuck it. I was just starting to concoct a spirit that I had loved since I was 15, bourbon and Sprite, when that dickhead Sam came back downstairs with a jar of, I don't know what it was, something dark. What the hell is that? I asked as he approached. This right here, young lady? He said as he placed the gross looking juice on top of the table next to my drink. This is for the big boys. He had a little smug smirk on his face that pissed me off, but if I'm being honest, kind of enticed me. Well, what's in it then? Oh, he said. Again, that's for a man to know. Ugh. I knew what he was doing, but I wasn't going to pl- let him play me like a fiddle. What did I care what was in the jar? It looked like it looked disgusting anyway. Fine, I said with a condescending smirk. You can have it. I bet it tastes like shit anyway. I finished my drink with a splash of lemon and took a whole cup down in three large swallows, which was like the 12th mistake I had made for tonight. Jesus, I guess you can drink. Yep, I said and burped in his face. Sam pulled back away from me in disgust and looked up the stairs. But when I followed his eye line, all I could see was the last part of a shadow going back up. What's the matter? Old wrestler boy doesn't want to come down and hang out with the big boys. Sam laughed. Who, Gore? He left home an hour ago. I just saw him, I yelled, and somehow found myself with my face buried into Sam's chiseled chest. You're drunk, Sarah. I'm out of here, Sam said as he tried to leave, taking the black juice with him. I put my hand on his chest to stop him, but partly for a cheap fill. No, you're not. Now let me try some of that Superman juice and see if it's any good. Sam was repulsed by me and probably poured me a cup just to escape. What? I said, you're not going to partake? Nah, I got wrestling practice in the morning. You be careful, though. I hear that shit is strong. Oh, you pussy. I said, then drank a shot in one gulp. And I have to say, I was let down. I thought this Blackwater stuff was supposed to taste horrible. Make me grow a a third nipple or something. I thought I was going to have to choke it down and run and grab some Sprite to chase it. But in reality, it actually was tastier than my bourbon and Sprite. Pour me another, bartender. 
I told Sam, like a degenerate. And that's when Sam looked at me like I was absolutely batshit. No, Sarah, he said. And just like that, he snatched the jar off the table and ran up the stairs. Loser! I yelled up at him. Then I looked around at the party and somehow it just felt lame. It was from the beginning, but now none of the kids from my graduating class were there. Even Denise was again nowhere to be seen, which meant that her minion Claire had gone with her. Little Rocket was even falling asleep over by his makeshift DJ booth. Oh, fuck this. I'm out of here, I said. I went out to the backyard to see if Mark was still there or if I was going to have to run home tonight and saw no one, but I heard a loud commotion coming from the front of Josh's place. So I put my shoes on and walked around to the side gate. As I emerged from the side of Josh's house, squeezing past trash cans and recyclables, I saw Mark smoking a cigarette in his car alone in front of the house. But in the distance to the left, close to the end of the block, I think I saw Sam and Gore and two other people. I couldn't quite make it out. One of them looked to be a girl, but I couldn't be sure. She was standing next to some commercial-sized vehicle next to Sam, Gore, and a tall, thin dude, all of them arms flailing and barking about something. In a fit of rage, I guess Sam slammed the jar of magic juice onto the floor, and not long after that, he and Gore were going at it. It didn't take long to realize, for me to realize how Gore got his nickname, because before long, he picked up Sam and absolutely body slammed him onto the pavement. I put my hand over my mouth, trying not to scree scream or make my presence known. But then a neighbor neighbor turned her porch light on and made me get bold. Hey, stop that, I said, then immediately regretted it when all four of the bodies in the distance froze and peered down the dimly lit street at me. I immediately had the same chill go down my spine that I had when I first saw my abductor at the top of the stairs. They all slithered into the van and took off down the street with the exception of Sam. Wait, van? I thought, a van? Like Susie, was that them? Right, Gore, Gore hurried into the back seat. Tall and lanky sat behind the wheel and the chest I knew that was a girl. She got into the front passenger seat. And was that Jeremy and Jessica? No, I, could, I don't know. I didn't know for sure, but what I did know was that that little prick Sam drugged me. Gore had to have been the one who grabbed me from the, from the restaurant. And those other two, I still didn't know who the fuck they were, but I knew for certain when I found out I was going to choke the hell out of all of them. Chapter 11. I was still in deep thought, putting the pieces together, so I didn't even hear the thudding footsteps approach the door. It just opened. I looked up at a single light that came drifting down slowly. It was like a little kid was behind it, coming down the stairs to face his in-the-dark fears for the first time. And I thought to myself that this would be my time to get Gore alone. Call him out. As the light came down the stairs, though, the thud felt noticeably lighter. Not like Gore or the tall, lanky fellow. Shit, I thought. That must be the girl. She had something in her hand that was hard to see, but it looked metal and squared. 
She walked around the basement, slowly pointing her headlamp at all the girls. I can see that we were all chained to thick metal rings that were welded into the floor with only about 12 to 18 inches of slack. And we were all at least 10 feet away from each other. Only maybe Boston and I could probably touch each other if we tried, but even then it would only be by the fingertips. As the light shined on Boston's face, she cowered, immediately lowering her eyes to the floor. But when she passed Terry and Susie, they seemed to be more terrified of her being down there alone than they were if Gore and the other one were there. I found that strange and infuriating. She stopped their light at me, and for whatever reason, I stared directly into that light with a grimace. For whatever reason, I wasn't scared, or maybe I was scared, I just didn't want to show her that I was. All I knew at that moment was that I wanted out that fucking place, and I felt like this bitch was the puppet master. I felt her staring at me, but I wasn't going to break my bearing. My eyes were staring, my eyes were starting to water from staring directly into the light, but I wasn't gonna stop. Let me the fuck out of here, I said. She didn't bulge. She was analyzing her latest catch. Was she, was she analyzing her latest catch? Was she plotting what she was gonna do to me next? I didn't know what she was thinking but she was pissing me off for sure. I said, let me the fuck out of here. Again, nothing from the light. She just stood there in silence, looking directly into my eyes that were watering and a tear came down them. And it felt like she was smiling behind that fucking light. If I can just get my hands on her, I thought. The next thing I knew, I was up on my feet and I lunged at her and she jumped back right out of range, but tripped and fell on her back and I heard a set of keys hit the floor. I heard the lamp, I, her headlamp flew off from the impact and rolled over to Boston. Grab it, Boston, I screamed. I, the lady frantically tried to get up and grab her keys. I put on, put it on her face, said Terry, quit. Boston grabbed the light and stood up as the girl was laboring to her feet. Hurry, 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 I said. Go, Susie said, yelled. The girl stumbled over to Boston stumbled over to Boston and Boston reversed the shine on the light the, the shine of the light on herself and handed it to the lady no we all yelled at once Boston Terry yelled what the fuck the girl snatched the light hobbled as fast as she possibly could up the stairs slammed the door behind her and again we were all in the fucking dark Boston you bitch Terry continued what were you thinking says Susie we could have found out who she was, I said. And then what, Boston said. If we know who they are, then they'll have to kill us. Again, she had a point, but we still needed to know. Sarah said we were in Texas. What if she knew her? Even, even more reason for them to kill us. And what's the alternative, Boston, Terry said. Just let them rape us until they had enough? I've read enough serial killer books. It doesn't end well. They're not gonna kill us, Boston said. Really? How the fuck would you know that? Because I talked to him, said Boston said. What? All of us replied. That's a lie, Susie said. I've been here the longest and I have never heard them speak a word until they told Sarah to shut up. They're super discreet. Well, I haven't talked to all of them, just the strong one. 
That wasn't a total shocker, I thought. From the little I can see back at the party, Gord looked intimidating, but like I mentioned before, there was a soft sadness behind those eyes. Lonely-like. Bullshit, Terry said. He never talks to me. Me either, said Susie. Yeah, that's probably because all you guys do is yell and scream at him. And he's just trying to feed us. He just raped me, Boston. Am I supposed to forget that when he... Am I supposed to forget that when he brings me a fucking bagel? I didn't say that. Then, maybe if we tried to understand him, see how his mind works, cater to him, maybe he'll let us out of here. Boston said, I heard what sounded like Terry slapping her own thigh. What? You're fucking nuts. And I don't think he rapes us, Boston said. What? Susie and Terry screamed simultaneously. Shh! Would you be quiet? She could be listening. How could you say that? Terry said in a hushed tone with no anger lost in her infliction. What did you say, Terry? About how he smells when he brings us upstairs. That he stinks. Unless it's the day of, you know. Which only furthers my point. Okay, what else did you know about him? He's super strong, right? Right. Can you get to the fucking point? Fine. What about his hands? What? His hands. They're super rough, no? Now that part's true. I thought back to my drunken stupor getting carried through the woods, and I remember the calluses on Gord's hands scraping my thighs up something nice. Yeah, who cares, Terry said. So what, said Susie. He's the one that carries us up to the restroom and back down here. He takes us up to the... Up he takes us to the cage upstairs to use the rest. He takes us to the cage and then back down here. He carries us everywhere. But if you notice, once he takes us to the shackle room where they have their way, you never feel those rough hands again until the situation is done, is done, do you? All of a sudden, the girls were quiet at that point. What do you talk to him about, I asked. About him, mostly. He's not stupid, so he usually doesn't answer. He usually only answers yes or no questions. Like what? Like he likes comic books and television and video games, and he likes to work out. Work out, I said. Like wrestling? No. No, I thought. That would put a massive hole in my whole theory with this strong guy bit. No, he doesn't like wrestling. I said, no, he doesn't like wrestling, I said. No, Boston said. He's do he does it, but he hates it. I think he does it. I think he's done. He's done it his whole life just to please his parents. How do you know that, Terry asked? Because when I asked him about it, he stops talking. I've always had a love-hate relationship. I understand that because I've always had a love-hate relationship with my running I Training isn't too bad, and I love the actual race, but it really does get complicated when your passion turns into a job. When you get to the level that I'm at, and you have to do the song and dance routine for sponsors, not to mention all the traveling, it just sucks. Wait, I thought. One of the other reasons why the college boy and I stopped dating was because he was always gone during the season. His team traveled across the country. Hey, are they, are, are they ever gone for a long period of time, I asked? A few days here and there. We wouldn't really know. We're in the dark, Boston said. Yeah, I think so. Why, Sarah? Terry said. 
I think they're picking you guys up in different parts of the country because that might be where the Strong Ones wrestling team is at. That's the only reason why they would be in all those random places. Oh, Susie exclaimed. I do remember somebody asking the bartender to turn on, turn one of the televisions on wrestling. I just figured they were talking about the pro stuff. Holy shit, Terry said. That has to be it, said Boston. You called it, Sarah. Good job. Good job, I thought. That information still didn't get me out of here. But I think there might be something else we should be thinking about, I said. What? All the girls said at once. Does anybody else think the other two up there might be their parents? Chapter 12. Hell no, Boston said. What? I said, why not? Whenever the other two come over for the you-know-what, they knock on the door. What kind of people knock on their own door? Right again, I thought. But what if they knock because they want to make sure the strong one has everything secure first? Like to make sure we're properly blindfolded and shackled. You said it yourself, Susie. They're very discreet, which means they're also probably pretty precise, which leads to them already knowing that they're getting what they're getting themselves into in this in into the second they walk into the house. They snatch us off from, from public places for God's sakes. The strong one could live here alone. It would explain why he's the one that spends as much time with us, uh, spends as much time with us as he does. Maybe they come over to his place, do the thing, then leave, then leave, living their disgusting lives elsewhere in secret. Or maybe it's just a stash house and they have plenty of them all over the country and no one lives here, Boston said with sarcasm. This isn't getting us anywhere. None of us know who they are. Boston was shutting the girls down at every corner right at the right moment. It seemed like our collective stories were getting us nowhere. It seemed like, uh, let me start that over again, guys. Boston was shutting the girls down at every corner right when it seemed like we were getting our collective stories, getting our collective stories, w right when we our collective stories were getting us somewhere. So I pulled out the trump card, the only trump card that I thought I had. I do, I interrupted. The strong one is named Gore. Bam, and that's it, guys. That is chapters 10, 11, and 12 of God Bless the Girls. These girls are on a mission, man. And it seems like, you know, Sarah, right at the end right there, revealing that she knows a name for this last guy. She's getting to the bottom of this story we still got a long way to go so there's still a lot of information to be said and to be told and stuff like that but these girls are working towards it man and it's gonna get interesting it's gonna get deeper anyway i'm very glad that you guys are continuing to listen and writing me which is great listening to the story giving me little tidbits thinking you guys know where the story is gonna go <laughs> i don't like to answer those because you know i i like to keep the whole thing as a mystery as we go along it's it's, it's funner that way but I appreciate all the help in, in connecting with me and stuff and talking to me about certain things and everything. I know my recordings are not always the greatest and I fumble over words, but just hang in there with me, guys. The story is getting better. So I appreciate all the um, all the support, 
all the messages. Um, you know, you can always get a hold of me on my email, mzzack199 at gmail.com. My Instagram is Michael DeGrio, at Michael DeGrio. And I'm just appreciative of you, appreciative of you, you personally, but all, everybody as a whole. So thanks again for listening. This is another dialogue heavy episode. And I'll holla at you, player. See ya. Shoot, shoot, shoot.